Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Hope you had a great Christmas. I really do. Hope you had a wonderful time with family and close ones, loved ones, um, celebrating, eating together, opening packages, thinking of Christ and what he's come to do for us. And, um, you know, as soon as Christmas is over, uh, which usually lasts for longer than just that day, but as soon as kind of this passes, very quickly we start thinking about the new year. And every time the new year rolls around, it just I'm just amazed at how quick that year went. Does anyone else here ever feel that way? And as I get older, it goes faster. I mean, it's just amazing, you know. And, but this morning I was thinking, early this morning, I'm not sure why I picked like 16 years, but I suppose, you know, it was early on in my marriage. Um, Sabrina was born that year. You know, the big Y2K scare. You know, if you're my age or about my age, you remember that. I worked at principal. I was a computer programmer, so it was a big thing for us. But, like, the last 16 years has flown by. And, uh, like I said, now that I have kids, every year just goes faster and faster. And I'm sure the next 10, 15, 16, 20 years is going to go by even faster at warp speed. And, uh, but every year about this time, when New Year's rolls around, um, it reminds me of how fast time flies. And it also... Um, it also makes me want to make sure I'm not wasting my life. You know, I mean, time goes so fast. We have one life to live. I mean, only one life, and then eternity. C.T. Studd, a missionary uh, from England to Africa and China and India, he, uh, he wrote a poem, and over and over again, it repeats this line. After every stanza, at the end of every stanza, it repeats the line, uh, or the lines, one life to live, twill soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. And I'm deeply challenged by that, and especially as this, as this year is ending, we look forward to 2016. I just, I want, I want to live a life that counts. I want to live 2000, a, a 2016 that counts, right? There's only one 2016 in the history of this world, AD that is, right? And I want it to count for eternity. I want it to count for Christ. So I have a question for you. As uh, we're, you know, five days from now is going to be January 1st, 2016. Do you believe it's possible that next year at this time, December 27th or thereabouts, 2016, so next year at this time, you could be amazed and even thrilled at how God has changed you? At how God has grown you. I don't know if you've noticed, you have, I'm sure you've noticed this, but you know, it's like every year time flies by. It seems like it goes faster. Time doesn't really go faster, but it feels like it does. And I have this sense I want for life to count, but then I also realize that as I get older, it's harder to change. But again, I ask the question, do you believe it's possible a year from right now, next year at this time, that you could be amazed and even thrilled 
at significant change in your life to the glory of God? Do you think that's possible? I'm sure everyone here would love for that to happen. Well, right now is the time to start thinking about how that could actually be possible. Many come to this time of the year and start making resolutions for the upcoming year, right? This is the week we start nailing down, if we do resolutions, resolutions for 2016. Alyssa and I were talking yesterday, and I, and I just, we, we were visiting about this, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say the two top resolutions people make have to do with personal health and personal finance. I... I would guess. I'm not saying that's what everyone here, that's your first two choice, but I'm saying, generally speaking, in our nation, we think of uh, how can I take care of myself better, eat better, exercise, all that stuff, and then getting on a budget or working through, you know, getting more diligent, being more diligent with my personal finances. In all your resolutions, and those are good ones, and I, I don't want you to scrap them at all, but in all your resolutions, resolve this year, this next year, 2016, to know Jesus Christ more and to grow more in him. Okay? Don't scrap the other ones. Just put this one at the top of your list. Okay? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4. He says, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There is some value in taking care of these bodies. We all know that. There's some value in that. Don't scrap that from your list. I mean, by all means, if you have goals this year on what you want to do or how you want to work things, you know, get in better health, that's fantastic. Do that. But godliness, growing in godliness, is a value in every way. In every way. I think that means... It's a value even in your pursuit of more temporary goals in life. Okay? Godliness is a value in every single way. So this morning, I want to challenge us to think about resolutions. That word's actually in this passage, not resolution, but the word resolve. I want us to think about resolves for this next year resolutions for this next year, and specifically to resolve to grow in godliness, to resolve to grow in Christ-likeness in 2016. I find it deeply encouraging that I think God is in every resolve for good. God is in it. Paul prays. He says, may God fulfill every resolve you make for good. May God fulfill every single one of them. So why make resolutions? Because growing in godliness will not happen on accident. Growing in godliness does not happen by floating through life or drifting. Usually we drift toward ungodliness and worldliness and into sin. So resolve this year 
to grow in godliness, to train yourself for godliness. If you have like a workout program, you are giving yourself to this year. I say amen to that. Put right on top of that to train yourself for godliness. If you have some kind of uh, diet you want to try this year to help eat better, you know, just eating more veggies or whatever it is, amen, do it. Just put right before that, train yourself for godliness. If you have a personal financial program you want to do, Brian's going to be leading uh, Financial Peace University here. Amen. Go for it, right? Do it. That's great. Fantastic. Just make sure prior to that or above that or prioritized above that is training yourself for godliness. Here's what the word resolve means. To have a fixed purpose of mind. I looked this up in the dictionary. I didn't come up with this on my, on my own. Fixed purpose of mind. Settled determination. You know, I used to be against resolutions. I mean, for, there's probably a period of like six years or eight years where I was kind of against resolutions. And the reason why is because it always felt like they were legal. This is the way I perceived them. This is probably the way I viewed my own. Is that they were legalistic and trying to earn God's favor. But we can make anything legalistic. We can be legalistic about not doing resolutions. Can't we? So we, we, we are... We have a problem in our heart, and it, it's bent toward legalism. But when, what, when in the Christian life, when did settled determinations become a bad thing? When did having a fixed purpose of mind? There's a song, I think it's an older song, but uh, Hillsong has redone it. And there, at the end of the song, it says, uh, it's the lines, some of you will know this. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That's a good thing, right? So this year I want you to say, I am resolving to train myself for godliness. No turning back. Okay? But we need to bear in mind that it's not just a matter of willpower. It's not just, Christianity is no religion built upon human strength and human willpower. It's not. That's why Paul prays that God would fulfill every resolve for good and work of faith by his power. That God would do this in us. Paul prays that God would fulfill every resolve for good by his power. God fulfilling, God completing, God bringing to completion your Every resolve for good. It's accomplished by God's power. You will not be able to get to next year, the end of next year, or you better not, and say, look at what I have done. But we turn back and we say, look at what God has done. God has been so gracious. Because God is one who fulfills it by his power. But our resolve is, on, is, is in reliance upon the power of God. Right? The connection is, I think the connection this fr- is the phrase works of faith. It says, may God fulfill your every re- resolve for good and work of faith 
by his power. We make resolves. God gives us the power as we seek him. And we work out these resolves as works of faith. Here's the way that New Year's resolutions typically go for me. And just from what I hear of others. Okay, I, a mere human being, with all kinds of limitations. All kinds of them. I set out to make a goal that is near impossible. In fact, it, quite frankly, is impossible. Okay? And I try to do it in my own sheer willpower. And I do this, let's see, I, I, I set it up on December 30th or December 31st. And by about 10 o'clock on December 31st, I'm already making excuses for the next day. You guys know how that goes? Let's just put it this way, all right? We, in my home, we eat pretty healthy. My wife makes sure that we eat, a, we eat a lot of good food. But I also like a lot of really bad food. I love candy and cookies and, and donuts and brownies and cake and pie. I love it all, okay? And I eat plenty of it. Let's say that my resolution for next year, this is how they typically go, is I'm going to go sugar-free 2016, December 30th, I make this resolution. December 31st comes around, I'm thinking, wait a second. The Hawkeyes are playing in the Rose Bowl tomorrow. I'm going to want to sit in front of the television with a lot of junk food and watch this game. And so I say, well, I'll start on the second. On the first, I start twisting, bending the rules again. On the second, of course, I'm not going to follow that. I might do one day sugar-free that week. And then... The resolution is off. Out the window. But when we make resolves for good in reliance upon God's power, here's how I see it working. We prayerfully and in faith make resolutions that are pleasing to God. And they're going to help us to grow in godliness. And then day after day after day after day, we rely upon the power of God to fulfill in us these good resolves as we work them out in faith. We're going to get pretty practical in a little while. But we, we rely upon God's power every day. Day after day after day. This requires relationship with God. Right? Not just calling on God at the beginning of the year to help us. God, give me power for this entire year to do this thing that I'm resolving to do. No, but it's walking with Jesus day by day. Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in me. Remaining in Christ, staying close to Jesus by his Holy Spirit, fellowshipping with him, relying upon him day by day for him, by his power, to fulfill in us our resolves and working them out in faith. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's kind of like us working out, right? Or us making resolves and we're going to put our hand to the plow. We're going to do something. We're going to work out salvation. We're going to train ourselves in godliness. But then he says, for God is the one at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God works in us, and we work out. We work out what God works in. 
We resolve and we work out our resolves as works of faith. Faith in God's power. So we need to seek the power of God to fulfill every resolve we make for good. It's not, we don't, it's not like God's a million miles away and we kind of let him know what we'd like to do. And then it's all on us. That's not the way it goes. Not the way it's supposed to. I'm greatly encouraged by this passage because God is pleased to give his great power to us in order to resolve, to fulfill every resolve for good. And the reason God is so excited, I think he's even excited to do this. The reason he's excited is because he supplies all of his mighty power and there's incredible results that come from it. When we make good resolves and work them out by by faith in God's power, it results in two things that God is really excited about. One is Jesus Christ is glorified. And two, you will be glorified in Christ. Verse 12. Let me just read verses 11 and 12 again and point out where I see that. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and work of faith by his power. Verse 12, so that... The result of God fulfilling every resolve for good and work of faith by his power so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. In other words, you glorified in him. Let's just take a look at those for a moment. So that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. So that you may bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. That's not a small thing. That's a huge thing. Right? An old confession from back in the 1600s called the Westminster Confession. It asks the question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The first is to glorify God, to bring glory and honor to our Savior. Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, even eating and drinking, do it to the glory of God. Paul said in Romans eleven thirty six, For from him and through him and to him are all things, and to him be glory forever. You and I exist to give glory to God and to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why we're here. It's to reflect what he's like. It's to be like a sign pointing to him. It's to be like, be like this, uh, this astronomer pointing a telescope at God and magnifying who he is and what he's like. Well, God is pleased to give you his power to fulfill every good resolve you make, every work of faith you engage in, because it glorifies Jesus. It brings him glory and honor.
But it also says, so that you and I may be glorified in him. What does that mean? Glorified in him, or so, so, that, so that the name of Jesus may be glorified in us, and us in him is what it says. But I think what it means is that we may be glorified in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Romans 8.17 uses a phrase that is not quite the same, but it's pretty close. And here's what it says. It says that we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So it's talking about us being glorified. Let's back up just for a second and take the resolution. The resolution this year is to grow in Christ-likeness, to be trained in godliness in 2016. The first result of this is that Christ is glorified. That makes sense to us, right? We want to reflect him more and more. The second result is that we are glorified. Here's what I think this means. To be glorified with Christ, for you and I as Christians is the end, is the destination of our salvation. The destination of our, of our salvation is not this, if you die tomorrow and you go to heaven, that's not the destination. The destination is Christ returns. And those who have died in Christ will be raised and they will be given new bodies that the Bible says are glorious bodies. Glorified bodies what it means to be glorified in Christ. I don't know exactly what that'll be like. I'm not sure what that'll be like for children, if they'll be, I don't know what it's going to be like for older folks, those who are bald, those who, whatever. I don't know what that means exactly, but we're going to receive glorious bodies. We will not be disappointed. So why does Paul put that in here though? It makes sense to us that Jesus is glorified as resolves are fulfilled by God's power, right? As these things are being worked out in our lives, we look more and more like Jesus. He is honored. He is glorified. But why does he say the other result is that you are glorified in him? God's purpose of fulfilling our resolves for good is that we would reach this. You see, your salvation and my salvation is Christ is, in Christ is totally secure if we're truly in Christ. But it's not apart from you and I changing and becoming more like Jesus in this life. I fear that there is a dichotomy among many Western Christians that there are Christians who, you know, they, they're really serious about their faith and they're the ones that are changing. And then there are other Christians who really don't ever change and they're all Christians. They're all going to heaven someday. They're all going to be glorified. But you don't see that anywhere in the Bible. The way you and I reach glory is by making resolves for good. And working them out in faith by God's power. That's the road that leads to glory. I 
our final salvation in which being glorified in Christ is the final goal and end is guaranteed through Jesus Christ, but it will not be reached apart from the working out of good resolves by faith in God's power. So, really practical. How do we grow? How do we grow? I want to give you I gave you that, the, the resolve to grow in godliness, to be trained in godliness. Let's break that down. I have four sub-resolves or penultimate resolves, un- resolves underneath that. Let's go through those one at a time. Resolve number one. I want to I challenge you to resolve to daily linger over the word of God by faith. Do it by faith. Faith in God's power. Now, why do I word it like this? Why do I say linger over the word of God? Because it's more than just checking a box, right? It's more than just saying, I did my Bible reading today. What'd you read? No idea. No clue. You know, try to read through the Bible in a year or not. It, you know, I, that's why I'm saying linger over God's word. Take 15 minutes and just let it simmer in you and just linger over a passage or a chapter for a while. This is how we grow. The man in Psalm 1, this man that we, we often talk about and think about, is, especially when we read through it, we're like, this guy's... There's something interesting about this guy. He's always bearing fruit. His leaves never wither. What is it about him? Here's what it is. He meditates on the law of God day and night. That's why he's so fruitful. That's why he's so godly. And how could it be any other way? Think about this. The, The whole universe was formed by the word of God. How could you and I be formed into the image of Christ without it? How is this a work of faith? Here's how it's a work of faith. By overcoming obstacles, obstacles of time, obstacles of, you know, you could throw any in there. I'm not a very good reader, whatever it is. Any obstacle you might put out there. It's overcoming those obstacles by believing God's promises. Promises like these. Psalm 119, verses 9 to 11. Listen to these amazing words. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can he be godly? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let, not, let me not wander from your commandments. Listen to these words. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Promises like this. Psalm 19. Listen to these words. I mean, let this sink in. God wants you to have this kind of affection for his word. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. The law of God is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Gives wisdom. It's perfect. The precepts of the Lord are right, 
rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Listen to verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. Psalm, 19, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It gives us wise guidance through life. Paul says in 2 Timothy, these are, this might be my favorite passage that I go to often when I think about what's the the importance of the scriptures. First, it defines what the Bible is, and then it shows us how utterly um, necessary it is for us to be in them. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's not just mere words on a page. It's not ink on white pages. It's breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Listen to verse 17. That the man of God, or the woman of God, that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So resolve to daily linger over the word of God by faith. God, is, God would be pleased to empower you to do this. Not so that you don't ever miss a day, but as you rely upon his strength and his power, you find yourself in it and being formed and transformed by God's word. Second resolve it's gonna, that's aiming at training and godliness Resolve to approach God daily in prayer by faith. I'm not sure that we have a good grasp on the amazing privilege we have as Christians in prayer. We sang the song, um, And Can It Be? And now I... Uh, now boldly I approach the throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. That boldly approach the throne. Maybe he's talking about when we are, meet Jesus at the judgment seat. I'm not exactly sure. But it made me think of Hebrews chapter 4. Where it says, since we have such an amazing high priest. Jesus Christ who passed through the heavens. Who suffered and died in our place taking away all of our sin. Since we have a high priest like this. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. If Jesus had not accomplished what he accomplished, if he was not such a perfect and glorious and sufficient high priest, you and I would have no business going there. Period. 
We couldn't go there on our parents' coattails or our grandparents or on our good day. We would have no business going there whatsoever. But because of Christ, because of what he's done, you and I have the privilege of coming to God and coming often. I think of the, the, the parable Jesus tells about the, ju- the widow and the unjust judge. And this widow keeps coming day after day after day. And she says, give me justice against my enemies. And the, um, the unjust judge says, I better give this woman what she wants or she's going to wear me out. Let me ask you, are you worried of wearing God out with your prayers? I haven't been. I haven't been. Let's make 2016. Let's resolve to approach God daily in prayer by faith. Praying for our own needs. Remember the throne of grace is a place where we we receive mercy and we find grace to help in our time of need. So we always bring our needs to God. Let's, let's always bring them to God first, right? I can't remember where I heard it. It's kind of uh, cheesy, but don't go to the phone. Go to the throne with your complaints, with your worries, with your needs, with your problems. Don't go to Facebook either. Go to the throne of grace with your own needs, with your family. Something I've been really trying to be more faithful at is just in a very deliberate and concerted way, individually praying for my wife and all of my children. Praying for the needs of others you're aware of. Praying for families in the church here. Just as God brings them to mind. It's amazing how he does that sometimes. You're praying and someone keeps popping in your brain and you wonder, why? Probably because God is putting them on your mind to pray for them. Pray for, listen, pray for me. I need all the prayer I can get. Okay, pray for Reed. Pray for real life church. Pray for missionaries. Pray for Brian and and Mandy as they're doing God's work in Tanzania. Resolve to approach God daily in prayer by faith. Number three, remember these are all aimed at growing in godliness. Number three, resolve to connect deeply with others here in the body of Christ. All throughout the New Testament, there are these passages that that put the two words together, one another. And it gives us a picture of the dynamic of the early church. They were... They were, they were one another-ing, right? They loved one another. They, they forgave, forgave one another. They helped one another. They supported one another. They were one. The, the body of Christ was a group of people doing one another together. And we ought to as well. Nine times John writes the words, love one another in the Gospel of John. And in First and Second John, those three words together, love one another. Let's just take that one, love one another. Four times John is recording the words of Jesus in John 14 and 15, and five times in his letters, First and Second John. He apparently learned his lesson well. That was a theme of his, to love 
one another. And this is because loving other Christians specifically, we're to love all people without a doubt. But when Jesus says to love one another and lay your life down for your friends, and when John says to love one another, the context is other believers, other Christians, those who are in our family, the family of God. Loving other Christians is the natural outward working of Christ's love in us. But I think it should go without saying that we cannot love one another if we are not connected to one another. We just can't. We just can't. There's, another, there's other reasons to deeply connect with others as well. There's a, there's a warning in Hebrews chapter 10. And it says, um, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And all the more as we see the day approaching. As we see the day of Christ approaching. And he's talking about, let's be together and let's, let's stir one another up. He says almost the same thing in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 3. I love these verses. I've often thought of these verses when I think of sanctification or growing how we need each other. We cannot and we will not grow on our own. It says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I see some things here that are really important. An evil, unbelieving heart is contrasted with being connected with others. Falling away from God happens when we're in isolation. Right? Hardened heart happens when we're in isolation from others. But when we're encouraging one another every day as long as it's called today, we are guarded from that. And we grow in godliness. I, I, I like to think of it this way. And I, I, I'm sure I probably borrowed, have borrowed this from somebody over the last few years. But growing in Christ-likeness is a community project. No one does it on their own. It just doesn't work. Fourth resolve. Last one. Really quick. We've talked about this here about a month and a half ago a bit. Resolve to be a giver by faith. Resolve to be a giver by faith. How do you do this by faith? By overcoming every obstacle, which is usually just lies that we believe that we can't or whatever. Overcoming every obstacle and believing God's promises. Promises like Acts 20, 35. I remember telling this to, it might have been Sabrina when she was a little girl. Three, maybe. Four, five. It seemed like the strangest thing to her. And I get it. I mean, for little kids, they just, but sometimes it seems strange to us too. You are more blessed to give than to receive. I'm sure I probably said that around Christmas time. <laughs> You're more blessed to give than to receive. 
It's believing promises like that by faith that frees us to actually be a giver, not just think about being a giver, but actually becoming a giver. Well, the last phrase in our verses today um, are these words. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I making resolves. God fulfilling them by his power. You and I trusting in God's power and working out these resolves. All of this is to be done in accordance with God's grace. It's all of grace. Our resolves, the works of faith, God's power, God fulfilling. It's all according to grace or in line with grace or in step with grace. In other words, God wants to do this. God wants to work this in us as we make good resolves this year. He wants to work this in a bunch of people who do not have everything together, imperfect people, people who still sin. Because it's according to his grace. Your resolutions that you make, you cannot, you will not, you should not. And you cannot earn God's grace or favor by doing them. So don't even try. Don't even try. It's for imperfect people. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? He not only purchased, he not only took our sins away and ransomed us back, but he has also purchased and provided every good work for us to walk in, Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. So we must not attempt to earn salvation by reading our Bibles or maybe not earning salvation, earning God's love, earning God's care and concern by reading our Bibles, by praying, by getting involved in a life group or a prayer group or by giving our money. It does not work that way but rather like a child fully assured of mommy and daddy's love. It actually motivates the child's obedience. It ought to be that way for you and I as well. Last uh, Wednesday, Alyssa Alyssa and I had the privilege, Olivia went with us too, to go down to Lucy's adoption proceeding or the the final final adoption proceeding at the courthouse, uh, Lucy Rye. And uh, the gal that was asking her questions, sweet lady, sweet lady. She, uh, Lucy went up on stand, on the stand, and she asked her some questions. One of the questions she asked her was this. What does it mean to be adopted, Lucy? And I loved her answer. I mean, I just, I lost it. It was so amazing. She said, it means that my mommy and daddy are my forever mommy and daddy. And no one can take them away from me. Excuse me, no one can take me away from them. Amazing. 
Do you know that you have a Father in heaven who came down in Christ, lived a life you could never live, died in your place on a cross to take away all your guilt, shame, sin forever? To make you right with him now and forever. And if you belong to him, no one can ever take you away from him. So make every resolve for good in light of such a gracious God that he may be glorified in and through us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are such a loving and gracious father. You are so amazing, God. We just say thank you. Thank you for all that you've done, all that you are in Christ for us. Thank you that when Jesus, the last words he uttered, where it is finished, we don't have to add anything to his sufficient work on the cross to save ourselves. But God, you do have a path for us in this life. You do have a program, if you will, in this life, and it is to be trained in godliness, to be growing in Christ-likeness. For God, you have said in your word that you predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's where we're headed. And so, God, according to your grace and by faith in your power, I pray for everyone here, myself included, to make real, strong, good resolves for this next year that to your glory, a year from now, a year from today, we would say, wow, God has done much in my life. Taking cutting things off, making me more loving and patient and kind and sacrificial and more free from the world and more giving of my time and resources. Do it, Lord, I pray. Work in us, God, that which is pleasing to you this morning. Put in us, God, even, put in us, God, even good resolves that we would give ourselves to. The ones that I've outlined and perhaps others. God, I thank you for everyone here today. I thank you for your deep love for them. I pray they would feel it, know it. Just like Lucy Rye knows her mommy and daddy's love for her. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.